Welcome to Zero's Game Room, where all things gaming takes place. Interviews, discussions, and the latest gaming news. So take a seat, get comfortable, adjust your headset, because it's game time. Here's your host, Zero. Welcome to Zero's Game Room, the podcast where we talk about all things gaming. Now, here's the thing. I'm going solo dolo because I like going solo. And no, I'm just kidding. But we are going to be talking about the good, the bad, and the potential with my friend, Onpred. Welcome back to the show. Thanks, Zero. Thank you very much. I took a shower this time. I feel great. I'm ready to roll. Whatever you want to talk get, about. Did you get a good <laughs> night's rest, buddy? Oh, I did, buddy. You know, I thought I was going to stay in your room the whole time, but you kicked me out. I got oh, some lunch, God. and then I came <laughs> we, back. We don't live together. We don't roommate together. <laughs> we work together, but that's about it. Oh, I could but use today, <laughs> on today's show, we're going to talk about the good, the bad, and the potential when it comes to indie games. Because as time has gone on, the indie market has actually really grown. Let's take it back a couple of years to when Super Meat Boy came out. Do you remember Super Meat Boy? I do remember Super Meat Boy. Like, it was so revolutionary because it was like, oh, this is not from, like, a third-party development or, like, a first-party. Yeah. These were people who created a love child and it granted it was it was it was very difficult true but it was difficult. it was it was very fun and i mean look you being a switcher owner you see how much indie content is on the switch right i do i see it heavily plagued the the switch market but i do like the indie games i do like when they come out and they say hey a passionate group of developers and game makers are like hey i have this really great idea i know how much i'm gonna love it i know how much you're gonna love it it's more like can you just contribute to it so our dreams can become a reality and things like super meat boy binding of isaac has came out and everybody loves those and they always been talk of the town and you already know those classics they're in the staple of the industry so i'm glad there's things like that in the kickstarter I would highly, highly agree. Now, Super Meat Boy is one of those like Cinderella stories. It, it yeah. came out, it, things were a little bit rough, but it came out and it was pretty much loved by a majority. Not all Kickstarter stories have that, as was produced, I do believe, in the year 2016. Wow, has it really been two years since this <laughs> happened? Two years. Old. Yeah, when we got mighty number nine yes just uttering the words mighty number nine hurts my soul because (laughs) this is a project who was kind of you know written by and kind of the backbone of it was the grandfather of Mega Man, keiji anafune the screenshots looked great this looked like a rebirth of the blue bomber and all it did was bomb I mean, it tanked. <laughs> it did. Like, like, what was your experience with Mighty Number no. Nine? I just remembered everybody's expectations. I mean, right before I was like, "Oh my God, Mighty Number no. Nine, Mighty Number no. Nine," and then after that, I remember him saying, "Hey, it's gonna be delayed," and everyone's like, "What? What's going on? Why is it being delayed?" He's like, "Ah, oh, it just takes more time." We're like, oh, "Okay, okay, okay." And then the hype started building up, and then when he keeps delaying a game like Mighty Number no. Nine, people are thinking, "Oh my God, this is gonna be the best game of all time. It's gonna go past Mega Man, past its glory." And then when you got it, you're like. What the heck? <laughs> yeah, like, no, honestly, oh, because so what bad. ended up happening, it, it was so bad, because what ended up happening is, like, more and more goals were being set for this thing. Like, oh, we're going to add online multiplayer. We're going to add yeah. this. If you, and, we, and, and, like, they just kept destroying goals. It, like, the original goal was, like, 50,000. Then it was, like, 100,000. Then 300,000. Then 500,000. Then a million. Oh, then, just... like, two million. And, like, the, the backing for it was tremendous. Like, people just kept breaking the record. 
record and just they wanted this game so badly and what we got was a high resolution ps2 game if that (laughs) if that now don't now don't get me wrong i i I enjoyed very much my years with the ps2 but man dude the the lava looked like really bad cgi cheese oh yeah Is, is that just me no, I know. I totally agree with you. I think people need to understand that just... I think there's a difference between aesthetics and people going to, like, hey, like, Pixel, like, Undertale. We have Pixel oh, graphics yeah. since forever. And, like, things like Undertale, it was... That's the aesthetic. If you have Mighty Number no. 9 to people, which, hey, I want the reimagining of Mega Man, it was more like an easy cop-out to be like, okay, it's easier and it's cheaper to just use the PS2 graphics and uh, let's just scrub everything else. It was yeah, more of that and let's, feeling. And, and let's come up with some weird game design and some weird bosses yeah, and the voice what? acting is terrible. Like, what were they thinking with these voice actors? It was just, it was just a really bad time. And people were pissed. Now, oh, yeah. to some extent, I get it. You paid money for a product. But something I want to tell people is, like, if you're donating your money, don't expect anything huge in return. Like, I would say set your expectations low because if you shoot them too high and they don't meet those expectations, you're going to be like, wow, yeah, this game sucked. But, like, there are other games that have had interesting stories. We've had success stories, too. We talked about Super Meat Boy. Shovel Knight was huge. I think it's still getting DLC to this day. Yeah, and I believe it's also free DLC, and they always keep pumping out really great ideas, and the DLC themselves, I'm not sure if you played them or not, but the DLC with themselves are like the bosses from the original Shovel Knight, and you get more backstory and more of what was that universe expanded on. Right, and didn't they bring in like other characters you could play as, or something to that avail? Like, I, I granted, I haven't dug deep, <laughs> no pun intended, dug deep into <laughs> a Shovel Knight, but they brought in like more bosses. They expanded this yes. little game into a bigger universe. It was you would never think in a million years Shovel Knight, a small game like it came out before from Yacht Studios, would ever do something like that. And it was a great success, and even appeared on Ukulele. And I know how much you don't like Ukulele. Maybe <laughs> it's, it's not that I don't, and I kind of want to touch on that. But let's keep talking about the good okay. while we can. We've talked about the bad. We've had things. You know a little bit something about like tabletop simulator. What, what can you explain that a little bit to people? Because I I was like, what the hell is tabletop simulator? That sounds ridiculous. Tabletop simulator is an amazing thing. So me personally, I like to play board games. I like to play card games. And tabletop simulator, it's more like a tool. Like think of it like Skyrim. It's kind of like Skyrim, but it's so much better. So Tabletop Simulator gives you the tools and say, hey, there's your chest, there's your checkers, and you get to play with people on whatever you want to. And then it turned out to be that there's this great modding community, and you have people that are making, like, Battleship. People are, like, taking products that you have from your childhood, and they're making Uno, and it's making it so much easier. There's games where I'm able to play Dungeons & Dragons, where I've had the Dungeon Master himself making it so much easier. There's dice. You don't have to go out. Like, he makes stories himself, and it's just super a convenient tool to say, hey, I want to play with my friends. I always have them all the time. I want to go back to the classics of just playing a board game and you don't have to get all four of your friends together meet in one location because i know especially for me and you working together it's very hard to meet in different places at the exact same time so i think it's a really great game and also another thing i want to touch on is i know this isn't technically a game 
but the Oculus Rift. The Oculus Rift was really great oh. on Kickstarter. And it even had its own industry. And it even had competition from Steam with... Uh... Oh my god, I just lost what it was. Yeah, no, I, I know what you're talking about. And then P- PlayStation, they have the PlayStation VR too. So there's the competition in that as well. Oh my god, I'm going to get so pissed. I don't know what it was. Uh it's okay. We we don't have to remember exactly what it was, but we do know that the Oculus Rift was part of this like whole Kickstarter thing, which that's a topic in and of itself. Like yes, the I, future <laughs> of video games and being VR. Now, you know, I I want you to tell a quick story if you can because this is kind of diving di- back into a little bit of the good slash arguably the bad about the oculus rift because you actually went out and bought one i did i did i had my expectations so high it was oh, i was like a kid at a candy store when i finally got the thing in my box i was like yeah there's way to it i can feel the controllers when i got to it instead of my home it was super convenient i got everything ready and then it just blew on my face. And even though we're talking about indie games, there's a lot of indie games that even go on the Oculus Rift. So we can say the good of this Oculus Rift or the VR industry was Oculus Rift. But the potential and maybe the bad was its games. I had many times where if you have glasses, good luck. And I mean, good luck. Because when I had the Oculus Rift, it would not fit in my head at all. I had a lot of problems trying to just look through the thing with my glasses. So I had to take those off and have bad eyesight, not legally blind or anything, but I had good enough eyesight to where I had to be compromised with the kind of experience that the developers were giving me. And just another thing would just be that it's mediocre. It was really mediocre. It's like, I just got the Wii again and they're like, Oh, here's we bowling. Here's we shooting. Here's we this. And it just, it just didn't feel great, man. I, I just spent like 30, 40 bucks on the Steam market. And again, these weren't sales either. These were full hard games that I bought full price. And it just wasn't that great of an experience. And the Oculus Rift itself was like hyper expensive, wasn't it? Alone, it's $400. Alone, it's $400. Oh my gosh. And you're just uh, like, oh my goodness. <laughs> lo and behold, you did return it though, right? I did return it. Um... I did actually buy an Oculus Rift once from Amazon, and I got a defective unit, so I had to take that back, went another two weeks, got my money back, went to go buy that Best Buy, and I just returned it two days later, and I'm like, oh my hey, God. man, so, just now. <laughs> I think that needs some more time to fully be fleshed out and developed. I feel like it's very early in the alpha stages. Now, granted, people have fun with VR and stuff, but I still think we need a little bit more time for people to develop specifically, because I do think potentially an argument Arguably, VR has a setting at the table of video game lifestyle. Oh, of course. I, but I, how soon? I don't know. And I think people are kind of tiresome because I think the Oculus Rift has been out for like two years? Two or one I, or two I years? Some, something along those yeah, lines. Yeah, something like that. And they're just like, man, I just want that good VR experience. I want I want that industry to be fleshed out. And it's like, nah, man, you got to wait your time before it's ready to be a full-on thing. Right, exactly. Now, that see, Oculus falls into this weird good-slash-bad part of the indie world, but then let's jump back again to good. Cuphead. Cuphead oh, it's good. was... It's good. I th- I actually think it's a lot of fun. Me and Grayson Live, uh, we actually play it a lot on... Like We, don't, we haven't <laughs> talked about it too much on the show, but we eventually will probably do a review about it. I, what I don't like is that people are calling it like the Dark Souls. I, I hate oh, that Dark Souls dark is like Souls. the, yeah. you know, like Dark, it's like if a, a game's difficulty is rated on, oh, it's the Dark Souls. And it's like, oh, it's not really like the Dark Souls of this genre. <sighs> no. But I, I do like that 
this was a Kickstarter. This yes. was a crowdfunded thing. And the two developers, like, they spent years, years on this thing. What was it, like, eight years on working on Cuphead? I think so. And not only that, it was also hand-drawn. Everything was hand-drawn and with love. And I just, exactly. I love Cuphead. I love Cuphead. I love that because you feel the love that was put in by the developers. Hand-drawn. This is a love project that they put their heart and soul. And it's very reminiscent to like 1980s uh, Disney cartoons. Yeah. At least the art style. Like I was saying before, the whole aesthetic, the whole aesthetic thing, like with Mighty Number no. Nine, the aesthetic it wasn't there. It wasn't that Mega Man. But when you have like Undertale was going through that pixel aesthetic, like this, this was great because Cuphead was more about 1930s, 1940s, and you had that aesthetic, and they captured that without being, oh, it's the Unreal Engine, and oh, it has to be, yeah, you know, no, the dark side. yeah, yeah, it, it didn't captured need all it perfectly, that. and I loved it for it. Oh, I absolutely because going back to minor number nine, it's like it, the, oh, no. it wasn't there. It wasn't there. Like, it wasn't I, there. I, I get, no, I just I get triggered easily. You know me. I'm a huge Mega Man slash Zero slash that universe of stuffs. I love Mega Man. Stuffs. It's my thing. I, my name is Goddamn Zero. It's, it's, it's there's a point. Okay. Now we've talked about the good here, Cuphead. We've talked about the bad, but let's talk about the gray area. The oh. I like to call. The potential. And out of any game that I can think of, the t- one off the top of my head, because it didn't flop, but it didn't rise to the occasion. And that would be the end of game, the spiritual successor to Banjo-Kazooie, Yuka Laylee. It had everything going for it. I, I'll say that. It had everything going for it. it the developers themselves, they looked they were, passionate They were about part it. of the original Rare team, actually. Yeah. The ones that, yeah. So, again, this is another KG Unifuni, my number nine thing, where everything should have been going easy peasy, lemon squeezy. But it just did not it go did in that way. It fell short. You're like, oh. You think, you think people like these are, like, going to just, you know, they have the reputations. And that's the biggest thing that you have on Kickstarter, your reputation. And when you have people like this with ukulele that flop, we'll get more into it. But that flop, you just lose your trust, especially with Mighty Number no. 9. You had him, the big honcho, just waiting to yeah, just give and you. Afune. And yeah, KG Anafune. And he flopped it. And you're like, oh, when is it like going to stop? That's like saying, you know, Masahiro Sakurai, the creator of Smash Brothers and Kirby, if he came out with like a Super Smash Brothers game and it was just terrible. It's like, oh my God. Yeah, you, it's that type of impact. Like, I really want people to understand. That's like saying, like, how could something so right go, go so, so wrong? wrong? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, how yeah. is that possible? And I don't think, see, here's the thing. Uh, ukulele had a lot of potential because we haven't seen Banjo Kazooie since like Banjo. I mean, you could arguably say the 360 because Nuts and Bolts came out on the 360, but that uh, wasn't really no, a Banjo Kazooie. We don't game. count that. No, 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 oh, we don't, no. We don't, right, friends, don't count that. I think it was okay, more. Okay, We don't yeah. talk about that. So yeah, realistically, the la- yeah, no, really, realistically, the last time we talk about Banjo Kazooie's Banjo Tooie, and even then, for me personally, I felt like Banjo Tooie did a little too much. There's too much to mm-hmm. do in that game. Yeah. To you know, teach their own. I prefer Banjo Kazooie. I love that game. I grew up on that game on the N64 but this had everything going right for it you had the duo you have the Yuka and Laylee you got the bat you got the chameleon I like that I really kind of like the idea of the two working together and the the aesthetic going back to that it was kind of there it wasn't super super banjo kazooie but it was like a high definition it didn't need to be over the top it was like that cartoon look 
Yes, exactly. But what I think where it felt short the mostly is like they were trying. It's a couple of things. One, the world, there's only like five worlds and they're huge. Mm. They're massive. But I would have preferred and I feel like a majority of people would have preferred a Banjo-Kazooie style where the worlds are still relatively big. But But there's so much to do. Yeah. And like, let's spread it out. Not just one gigantic level. Be I got to do like two hours worth of this. No, like give me a good amount of stuff, but give me little levels everywhere. Let mm-hmm. me explore, you know, and I get the idea. Like I think their their ideals were a little too big and it kind of fell yeah. flat on his face. And second of all, I, I feel – how do I put this? It's something – how do I put this? I'm trying to find the words to put it. It's hard because like everything was supposed to go right with this game, but the ambitions were too high. The of nostalgia? The people. The no- exactly. That's exactly. The nostalgia. Yeah. People's expectations were too damn high. Like, Wouldn't you agree? I totally agree with you 100%. I think the fans had expectations way too high. I think the developers had... I think they did it because they want to give back to the fans and they had high hopes, but... <laughs> and then we got it and you're like what happened and then i think a game that would have been like a 7 out of 10 we're like a 5 out of 10 and you're like no let's give credit to that they delivered and they actually did a lot if you had to compare it to mighty number no. nine i think you could beats it out headstrong oh, but yeah. I, oh yeah oh yeah i agree agree 100 agree i just believe it just fell through the hype i think it's just like man why am I not going ten years back to when I played the original Banjo Kazooie? It's just, it's not. That's not the, that's not the the Messiah of the of Banjo Kazooie. I think we're gonna have to wait for them to come back with another platformer. And what really sucked as well was on launch date. I feel like it wasn't finished because they had to release some patches because the controls were kind of wonky and the camera was kind of wonky. And that sucks because this when you're sending out review copies to people to review your game and it still needs a patch. Uh, there yeah. goes your reputation, man. Like you could hear it just flushing away down the toilet. Another thing that I didn't like, it's like there's moments in Ukulele where I feel like in Banjo Kazooie, some of the puzzles were like interesting. Like it kind of gave you a clue of how to figure it out using right. your arsenal. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing. Like you had eggs, you had feathers, you had the golden feathers. And in this one, you don't really have an arsenal. You just have moves you can upgrade. There's a certain point, and I don't know, maybe this doesn't make sense to me. There's points where there's there's sh- like kind of shattered glass, and you're supposed to break it to get through. And you can use the sonar to, you know, you think, okay, high pitch, I can make it powerful. I could probably break the glass. Like game logic, like you assume A is going to do B. You assume that was going to work, and I've, and and what happened? No, it didn't work. So you keep doing it, and you're like, "What the? What the heck? What's going on here?" To later find out, you have to actually learn a move where you roll into it. Like, Ugh. what? Why could it? Like, it, it made more sense to do something else. Like in Banjo Kazooie. All right, I need to get to the top of that tree really fast. There's a flying pad over here. Maybe I have to fly through all the way to the top, go through the ring, and a jiggy will appear. Oh my gosh. Or there was just different ways you could tackle a certain and you had the freedom to kind of just go in whatever order you kind of wanted to for the oh, most yeah. part. For the most part. And and that's where I feel like ukulele fell. It had a lot of potential. So that's kind of what I want to wrap this up in. We've had good Kickstarter games. We've had 
bad Kickstarter games. Oh, and no. we've had examples of things that have such high potential but don't meet the needs. But something I want to reiterate is you as the consumer, knowing this is coming from an indie developer, should take the time and don't set your expectations too high. If you set them low and the game comes out to be freaking phenomenal... Boom! Your mind's gonna be blown. <laughs> it's great. So uh, uh, that's my final thought. What are your final thoughts about indie games, Kickstarter? What's your overall feelings towards it? I think I'm gonna piggyback on what you said. I think Kickstarters are a great thing. I think indie developers who get shut down by the AAA's because I feel like Shovel Knight has a lot more passion than something like EA's Die Battlefront. And oh boy. I know that's, that's a topic for another situation. Yeah, it is. <laughs> but you just feel like, man, I'm glad that indie developers have a platform to, you know, get that exposure and have great games that you think that would never be popular. And you had the weirdest things where you think a no, nobody, nothing like Yach come up with Shovel Knight. And then you have people from Ukulele working on Banjo Kazooie flopped or it didn't do as good as we thought it was going to be. So I think, as you just said before, um, when you donate, go with there wholeheartedly, give the money out, support whoever you want to support. Just don't expect anything in return. As much as it hurts me, as much as it want to hurts you, when you donate $40 for a digital deluxe and you get a hat and shirt and all the hypes there and it just falls short, <laughs> don't, don't. Don't go in there blindfolded. Don't do it, be, buddy. Be their smart buddy, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I like to end that, off. That, that, that's a great place. And I think that's a good place to end it off here. Uh, Kickstarter. It's a great tool, kind of like Tabletop Simulator. It's a great tool, but if used ineffectively, it could land on <sighs> its face. So it's something to definitely think about. And do be cautious of where you invest your money. And... Make sure those expectations aren't too, too high. But thank you very much, Onpred, for being on the show. As you know, we'll probably have you on the show again sometime soon. Thanks, man. I appreciate it, Zero, and talk to you next time. Well, that wraps up another episode of Zero's Game Room. Want to give a special thanks to my graphics designer, at Trekit on Twitter, and at David underscore Ritter for voicing my intro. Keep up to date with the podcast by liking it on Facebook at Zero's Gaming Room and on Twitter at Zero's Game Room. Until next time, GG with a definite re.